1: Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Gene Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building. And we're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, right across the street from Winkies. We're now able to service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Please visit our website at ellenbecker.com for more details, including some different seminars um, that we're going to be hosting. Today's conversation is going to touch on retirement in a little different um, way. In fact, uh, whether you've listened to me at a company-sponsored employee education program or a prior Money Sense show... Maybe you're a client and we focused our conversation around the three facets of a successful financial life. You need wealth, you need health, and you need a purpose. And my conversation around health in the past has really focused on physical health, such as heart health and staying physically active. Today our conversation is going to look at health very differently. Today we're gonna focus on mental health. What's interesting is, if you or a family is facing mental health illness or challenges, you may not share this information even with your closest friends or extended family. Unfortunately, some people view mental health diagnosis very differently than, say, a health or a cancer diagnosis. I often refer to mental health Ill- illness as the casserole disease. Think about it. If you or your family member was diagnosed with cancer, you wouldn't have to cook for an entire year because there'd be a coordinated effort by family and friends or your church to deliver meals to your front door. You just don't see this with mental health disease. Isn't it interesting? So I think we're at a good point where I'd like to introduce our, our guest today, Dr. Aruna Tumala. So welcome to the program, Dr. Tumala.
0: Thank you, Jean. Pleasure to be here.
1: Thank you. And I'd like to open up the conversation, um, learning a little bit more about your background. And I have your bio here, but I think it'd be great if you could share with our listeners today um, your history and what brought you to the point to open up your practice.
0: Absolutely. So I am, my beginnings were very much in in the uh, traditional psychiatry training. So I uh, went to medical school, finished my undergraduate medical education, and right from the beginning, I was very fascinated with how the mind works, so it wasn't a surprise when I chose to become a psychiatrist. And um, I finished my residency here at the medical college, went on to do um, fellowship in geriatric psychiatry, and uh, became both certified in both adult and geriatric psychiatry, and then started working for a local hospital here. And all was fine, you know, um, You know, the main hypothesis of mental illness is that, let's say somebody is having depression or anxiety or even schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, that there is a chemical imbalance that results in these symptoms manifesting that we think of as mental illness. And to treat those symptoms, we have these group of medications like antidepressants or antipsychotics, and then we match those uh, medications to the diagnosis and then Everything should be all fine. People should recover and go on to have um, uh, fulfilling lives. But in reality, that did not turn out in practice. Uh, the more I was working, I began to realize that these medications they do help in the short term. Uh, in the short term, um, that there is no doubt about that. But um, when it came to long term treatment and expectations about whether even recovery is something that we can expect uh, in someone struggling with depression or anxiety, these kind of questions were not really addressed uh, in my residency program um, or even after in practice. But as you begin to, you know, practice for any length of time after the residency, these questions become more mainstream because now you're working with people on a longer term basis. And then, you know, uh, you also begin to wonder, how long am I going to give somebody an antidepressant? And what if they are very young in their lifetime? What if it's a 20-year-old young woman who's been depressed and you start them on an antidepressant? In, in reality, how long should I recommend that this person take these medications? So I was grappling with some of these questions. Not much research was available. But then I came across this very interesting study in one of the uh, mainstream psychiatry journals, which talked about giving fish oil to a group of people that were at high risk for developing schizophrenia. And they gave the fish oil to half of those people for 12 weeks. The other half did not get any fish oil. They were just observed. And then they followed both of these groups for almost a year to see how many people in each group actually developed schizophrenia. And um, the mind-blowing fact for me was that the people that got the fish oil, they had six times less risk in developing schizophrenia. And that kind of opened my mind to the idea that maybe we are missing a big, big mystery here. Uh, maybe there is more to mental health than just a chemical imbalance. Maybe our diet and lifestyle have a role to play into it. And so, you know, uh, you know how it is with uh, internet research. You know, I, I started exploring this, uh, con- this this question, does mental health have anything to do with how we are living our lifestyle uh, today. And that led me to these two wonderful organizations. One of them is Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine, um, which is a medical organization that actually trains physicians after they've completed their uh, residency in the field of integrative and holistic medicine. And uh, the other organization is Institute for Functional Medicine. That is a specialized kind of holistic medicine that really looks at Um, the whole mind-body system as one unit. Um, So I first completed my diploma with Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. Then um, I went on to do my training in Ayurvedic medicine, as well as in functional medicine. And as I began to um, get all this additional information, um, it really became clear to me that I needed to step out of the traditional mold and put the theory into practice. And that's what led me into opening uh, my clinic, uh, which is on um, 128th and National. Um, I've named it Trinergy Center for Integrative Psychiatry, and uh, we opened our doors in early 2016, and we've been open for about um, two years now. And so, if
1: you'd um, like to yeah. reach Dr. Tumala, she can be reached at 262 955-6601. But I want to step back because as I was preparing for today's program, um, this goes way back to President Clinton, who introduced his health care initiative and reached out to Tipper Gore, the wife of the vice president, to oversee the mental health component. It was during that era that that the Blockbuster Innovation drug was uh, well-known, and that's Prozac. And you talk about, you know, there is not a one pill that is going to cure all. And then you're right. How long do you keep a a particular individual on a drug to fight um, depression, anxiety, or various mental health challenges? Mm
0: -hmm. That is right. Right. So Prozac and, you know, they belong to this group of medications called um, SSRIs or serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And, uh, and what I've now, you know, with the length of uh, holistic and functional medicine, what I've come to realize is that the chemical imbalance is just the tip of the iceberg. And um, there could be serotonin abnormalities. But the question, the big question that nobody was asking was, why is this happening? So even if there is a chemical imbalance, why is that happening? And that is the question that I've begun to ask with every patient that I work with. When they come with symptoms of whatever, depression, anxiety, or schizophrenia, or bipolar, my line of inquiry is that why is this individual at this time in their life, why are they experiencing the symptoms that they are? And when we ask those why questions, that's what takes us to the root cause of the problem which is really inflammation.
1: Which is really digging into it instead of just coating it.
0: Exactly. So yeah, Prozac may work in the short term because yeah, the chemical imbalance could be a result of the inflammation. And when you introduce something like Prozac, you're literally sweeping it under the rug. So now you don't see the dirt around. So you you might think that everything is clean and everything's going to be fine. But after some time, that drug will not be enough to keep that dirt underneath it. So that will overcome the effect of the Prozac or this, any other medication. And that's when we see people going back to their doctors and saying, hey, I felt better when you started this, but now it's not helping me. It's not like how it used to be. I'm feeling just as I did when I first took the medication or I'm feeling worse. And this process will continue to happen over and over again. Um, And unfortunately, uh, if you don't look at, if you don't ask these why questions, you're still going to go with that superficial chemical imbalance theory, and then you will be on this perpetual quest for this magic pill. But if you move away from that kind of worldview and really look at, okay, let's say that even if there is a chemical imbalance, why is that happening? Is it that the brain is not able to make those neurotransmitters? Okay, then why why is the brain not making those neurotransmitters? Is it that they're not their diet is insufficient, or maybe their digestion is not good? So even if they're eating right, they're not able to absorb. So these are some of the questions that I try to find out um, in the initial interview, and um, and as I'm doing this, I, I'm also again from that functional uh, viewpoint from the functional medicine training that I've received, I've come to see that the body is not really divided into these different systems. There's no psychiatry system. There is no neurology system. They're not separate entities. In fact, they're all interconnected within our body. It's like this really nice, beautiful web, and if you tug at the web at one end, you can see the effects on the other end. And it's, it's the same thing. That It's the same analogy that I use uh, to explain how the different systems are interconnected.
1: Well, this is an With interesting way of looking at all this. And I, I'm getting an a, a indication we need to take a break. But we're going to continue this conversation when when we come back. And if you'd like to reach out to Dr. Tamala, she can be reached at 262-955-6601. With that, let's take a break. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, Whitefish Bay, and we're now able to serve clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. We're having a great conversation with Dr. Runa Tumala, and we're talking about the mental health aspects of um, life. And I'm talking about this conversation or we're having this conversation today because the financial impact on mental illness to corporations and families is huge. When you think of um, the financial impact in relation to corporations, I think of accidents on the job, absenteeism, low productivity. When I think of the financial impact on families, it's the um, lower income because maybe they're not able to get up and go to work, as well as the uh, expenses of the prescriptions or the therapies that are offered. So it's a huge part and I see it with clients that um, I sit down with and the devastating impact that it can have, but um, I wanna have a great conversation uh, with Dr. Tumala and talk about what is the scope of mental health issues in the United States today and why do you think um, we're finding it so prevalent at various stages in life?
0: Yes, team. That is actually something that um, that is uh, a concern at all at multiple levels, not only within the private sector but also in the public sector. You know, we see um, different kinds of unnecessary and really um, horrific events happening across the country that have been tied either to mental illness or to um, lack of access to proper mental health treatment. Um, Just to you know, and also many companies, as you mentioned, do bear. Um, the direct cost, and um, you know, I have a study here that says that U.S. employers actually spend 200 to 300 percent more on the indirect costs of healthcare in the form of absenteeism, sick days, and lower productivity. But in general, there seems to be an uptick in the diagnosis of conditions like depression and anxiety, which are really stress-related syndromes. You know, we all are so increasingly connected to the online world. Um, starting with teenagers and all the way up. I mean, even in my practice, I seem to be spending a lot of time doing my work online. And that lack of, that kind of perpetual connectivity seems to be a stress in and of itself. Um, Also, when you look at health in children, we're also seeing that conditions like ADHD, autism, these are all increasing in numbers. Just to give you an example, In uh, the 70s, um, autism used to be diagnosed in 1 in 5,000 children. But now um, it is almost 1 in 60 kids, and it's predicted to be on the rise even further to as high as 1 in 40 children. So the economic impact of this is not only being felt today in terms of these children and adults requiring not only treatment, but supportive uh, therapies and uh, remedial education and all kinds of developmental help. But also we have to remember that these are the same children that become the future of our country tomorrow. And um, if they are not healthy to begin with, then how are they going to you know, safeguard the interests of the country? Well, I want to just mil-
1: take mm-hmm. a look at yeah, this. Sure. When you think of preschool, it is now Mm -hmm. kindergarten. When you think of elementary school, it's more middle school. When you think of high school, it's more like college. People are now taking Mm -hmm. AP classes in high school. Um, I'm going to go back to sports. Back in my day, if you were going to play volleyball, you stayed after school, you played your volleyball, and you took a bus home, so you ate dinner with your family at 536 o'clock. Now, everybody does club sports so there's pressure to be Mm -hmm. on these select teams and then the practice times aren't right after school it's at eight o'clock at night nine o'clock at night so you can see the family structure every night is very different and then there's weekends that are filled with tournaments and travel
0: yes and what's interesting is excuse me go ahead I'm sorry to cut you and Jean, but you actually bring up a very, very important point about this lack of structure and also that that is tied in to not having family meals. That is so important, not only for our uh, the development of our children, but also that sense of connectivity with each other within our families and lack of sleep is if you ask me, that is one of the biggest factors for why we are seeing a tremendous increase in anxiety in actually high school uh, students uh, and young adults that are just transitioning into college. They are having um, anxiety disorders at a higher rate than at any other time uh, in our history. And everything that you mentioned, I strongly believe is directly related to that. And we have to address that. So when young people come in to work with me, one of the first things I do is educate them about their lifestyle. You know, you have to let go of some of these things. If you are having a, a heavy game at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night, you are so aroused in a, from a sympathetic standpoint, you're not going to, you know, your body's not going to slow down and shut down and fall asleep by 10 o'clock or even 11 o'clock. And then the next day you have the same rat race beginning probably at 6 o'clock in the morning. So there is really no downtime for our bodies and our minds. And that will, over a period of time, will lead to different kinds of issues.
1: What's interesting is we find parents are spending more money and time on these athletic interests and less on their education. And when you think about it, how many kids on the soccer field, baseball team, or basketball court continue to professional teams? It's almost like Mm -hmm. we have our priorities um, out of whack here.
0: I couldn't agree more. I mean, really, for any anybody to be successful in life, you know, as you mentioned, health is very, very important. You know, we need financial security, but that cannot come at the expense of one's health. We see that whether it is a company CEO who is, you know, burning the midnight oil, but they do have high incidence of stress-related disorders like not only mental health, but also heart disease and acid reflux. These are all problems that seems to get down their productivity. And we see that happening even in young children as well, young children and uh, teenagers and young adults. It, it, we really need to go back to the drawing board and, as you said, you know, get our priorities straight. It is about health. It is about the food that we eat, the connections that we make. And then that will naturally translate into success in every other area of life.
1: I remember a phrase when I was a child, you are what you eat. So it's interesting that now we're talking about the core basics of feeding your body the appropriate foods and nutrition and giving your body the sleep, the relaxation time to really um, rejuvenate itself.
0: Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you think about food, what is food? everything that we eat gets digested and broken down and that final product of digestion then becomes us so you're at the statement that you said you know we are what we eat that is truer even in the literal sense as well and so when when we are leading such busy lives we don't have time to not only to sit down and eat but also to devote time to making the right kind of food which is why you know we've seen that people are relying on more and more processed food but you know the processed food is good every once in a while but when that becomes our main staple then that that's not feeding ourselves the nutrients that we need because i mean processed food is meant they are they are made with less nutrients all different kinds of artificial ingredients are added to prolong the shelf life of this product and that those chemicals interact in a manner that actually triggers more inflammation, triggers more anxiety, triggers more depression. And all of this. these studies about these chemicals in our food were done long ago, but somehow for the sake of the convenience factor, which I get it. You know, I lead a pretty busy life, and I'm sure you lead a busy life as well, but I have to remind myself, you know, what is the goal of of all of this, um, you know, of my career, of my um, the money that I'm making, if it's not going to feed me well, if it's not going to give me the rest and relaxation that I need, then to me, there's no point to it. So that that's another thing, a little bit of calibration about what it is that we are really looking from our lives. And we need to have these conversations, not when somebody is close to retirement, but really we need to start having these conversations with young adults as they're beginning their careers so that they have a clear picture as to what kind of a work-life balance and how health can manifest in their own lives.
1: You brought up some good points. With that, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some cases and what we see happening in our schools and our communities today. So, again, with that, let's take a break. If you'd like to reach out to Dr. Tamala, she can be reached at 262-955-6601. With that, let's take a break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Today we've had a great conversation with Dr. Aruna Tumala talking about mental health issues. And I bring this conversation to the show because I see it with clients, young and old, Um, I see it with family members, um, with friends. And it's becoming more and more prevalent. And one thing I want to address um, and to continue our conversation on is dietary or food intake and how that impacts so much of our lives, including mental health issues uh, and challenges. And, you know, I think it's programs like this as well as other programs where the public is becoming more and more educated on this whole thing about diet And I make reference to that because, boy, there are restaurants that are marketing farm-to-table meals. People, I think, are reading labels a little bit uh, more often. In fact, I informed my sister if she looked at a particular sour cream label, there was one ingredient, cream. If you bought the generic container of sour cream, there were probably 10 ingredients and I couldn't pronounce half of them. So um, it's just kind of interesting that you have to look at what you're putting into your body. I also want to make reference to schools. Um, We talked a little bit about all the terror and the shootings that are happening at these schools on a regular basis. There are schools that are realizing that and they are starting to do mindfulness and meditation as well as yoga. And this isn't just happening in the suburbs. This is happening in the city where they are trying to prevent um, things uh, happening at these schools. So I'm going to ask Dr. Tamala to respond to that and to continue that conversation around food and meditation. And then we're going to jump into some case studies. And I know you touched and made reference to retirement. And I do see my clients come in when they're ready for retirement. Um, sometimes they face some mental health challenges. So I'm going to throw this back to you, Dr. Tomala, just to expand about teens a little bit um, and be, being mindful about doing some yoga and meditation.
0: Yes, um, Jean. So, um, you know, the way to think about mental illness is that it can happen at any time um, during a person's lifetime. So at different um, uh, life stages, shall we say, we do have a certain risk for say depression or anxiety and and you know, as we grow older then that changes more into uh, memory issues cognitive issues and also with when we are faced with different life challenges even retirement you know when you have a very full life with work and other Obligations and all of a sudden, a major chunk of what you do uh, during the daytime is not there. That can give rise to some adjustment-like issues as well. So, it, it, at different lifetimes, we do have um, uh, the risk for these conditions. But at the same time, it is really about how we can prepare ourselves. And and when we are, when we eat the right food and we take um, uh, time to practice meditation or regular exercise these can be mitigating factors there is no question about that in fact in my practice what I find is that many of the patients are eating the wrong kinds of food so right off the bat one of the first things that I do is recommend a blood panel to look at different vitamin deficiencies and also based on the interview sometimes I'm able to figure out what kinds of foods are actually contributing to inflammation within their system um, one, in, in teenagers especially, let me give you a little bit of an example here. You know, we see young women and men, both of them coming in with a lot more acne, which wasn't as common if you look at, if you think about it before. Um, now you see very severe acne, more people having acne, and in young women having different kinds of hormonal issues like irregular periods or painful periods. And this is all tied in to their mental health. That is that is the holistic approach. Is to see that all of the different symptoms that the body and the mind are are bearing, they all have some connection and possibly one common root cause. So when I when my patients come to me, you know that's what I tell them. I'm not just interested in treating your anxiety or your depression. It is also about making sure that your acne goes away, your heart burn goes away, um, that your digestion is healthier, that your periods are regular. Or that they are not painful anymore. So these are all the things that you know that I've learned to do from this holistic um, uh, lens um, of of looking at even mental illness as well. And the same thing applies as we grow older. And let's say somebody transitioning through retirement or in their later years are beginning to develop cognitive symptoms or having some symptoms of anxiety or depression. Again, we really have to figure out where is the deficiency, what is in their life, uh, whether it is in the lifestyle or in the diet that could be contributing to some of these uh, symptoms and try our best to mitigate those factors and then provide the factors that could actually help them live their life to their fullest potential. Um, So one way that we would do that would be to, um, to teach things like meditation, even regulating your breathing and paying attention to how you breathe at different times of the day increases your awareness that maybe you're you were breathing at a very superficial shallow level and taking those deep breaths immediately balances our nervous system in a manner that re, that can help us um, our mental health as well so um, and um, does that seem to answer your question Jean?
1: it does and i want to talk a little bit um, one more question in regard to the dietary uh mm-hmm contribution to mental health illness, you know, you hear about these fad diets where you do this detox or the um, vegan diet or the Atkin diets, and I can't think of South Beach and so on. Um, When you hear people are on these detox or these extreme diets, what's the first thing that comes to mind?
0: (laughs) That they're probably that it's not really for them. Because I'll tell you what, um, we, for the last 50 years, I think we were given the wrong information that um, fats and carbohydrates are not good for us. And so when you look at whether it is South Beach or Atkins or any of these diets, they're all high in protein, but they lack the necessary amount of fat. And, when, and, and then when you rely on processed food um, as your main um, the source of meals, To cut down on the fat content, we have seen all these fancy things like, you know, I can't believe it's butter, which is really made up of chemicals. Or if you're eating a processed yogurt, which is made from low-fat milk, then now that is added with sugar. Both sugar and these artificial chemicals not only can disrupt our mental health, but they also contribute to heart disease, diabetes, and other endocrine problems. So really what I recommend is a more intuitive way of eating. Frankly, like how our ancestors did. And the vegan diets, again, I find that they are not having the right kind of fats in them. And when you don't have the right kind of fat in your diet, that can severely affect our brain functioning. Because, again, brain is 90% fat. It has more fatty tissue than any other organ in our body. And there is constant repair and regeneration that happens in every cell, including in the nervous system. And for this repair and regeneration, we need new raw materials, which we normally get through our food. And if you're constantly not giving that right kind of fat, then then the repair and regeneration process will not happen. So people, when they come to me, and I tell them that no, you need to eat, go have a steak, or eat that full egg yolk, um, uh, have more uh, organ meats. These are some of the recommendations that I do make. Or bone broth. Bone broth is so incredibly nourishing to every tissue and cell in our body. People are at first, they are quite surprised, but within one month, when they follow this kind of a dietary program, most of their symptoms goes away. um, I I must share this example of a young 16 year old high school um, teenager who came to me because she had this severe anxiety which was manifesting as cyclical vomiting. Every few days, she would have these severe bouts of vomiting and she's been tested extensively. And every, every doctor that she saw said that it was from anxiety. It is from anxiety, but that anxiety was driven with severe nutritional deficiencies and also inflammation that was in her gut. She was also having acne, which to me is um, inflammation in the gut. And then I put her on this diet, gave her some herbal supplements that reduces inflammation in her gut. A month later, her acne is almost 50% gone and she she did not have even one episode of vomiting so this is the kind of responses that we can have when we give the body and the mind the right kind of dietary input these
1: are so some great usually... uh
0: huh no i was i was about to say that typically i start off with the diet because almost everybody that's coming in is not eating right and the the kind of dietary recommendations that i give is really matched to the person and to the season, like in winter time, you know, why is it that all these heavy, um, carb-rich foods um, is what is available from nature? You know, you talk about sweet potatoes, the pumpkins, or the winter squash. They're not watery like the melons that we get in summer because we need that kind of heavy, carb-rich uh, food. And in every culture... You'll see that, you know, in in the European culture, we have the mulled wine or the mulled apple cider. Those are warm, spicier um, drinks and uh, foods that that really nourishes from within. It it increases that warmth, and we need that kind of a food um, during winter times. So there is also a seasonal aspect uh, with regard to the diet. Um, so farm to fresh, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, sorry, farm to table, as you mentioned earlier, and also eating local and seasonal is the way to regain our health back again.
1: These are some great takeaways. And again, if you'd like to reach Dr. Tamala, she can be reached at 262-955-6601. With that, we're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back. <music> Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. We've had a great conversation, and we have a short final segment, but I wanted to give Dr. Tamala a chance to talk about um, the type of clients and patients that she works with, everything from adolescents to teens to geriatric. And these are individuals facing a multitude of um, mental health challenges. So, um, Dr. Tamala, share with us um, why some of your clients or patients come to you uh, with those challenges.
0: Sure, Jean. Um, So, you know, as you mentioned earlier, people are becoming more aware about the connection between food and lifestyle and our overall health not only mental health. So I I am definitely seeing that awareness seeping in in our communities, and that is typically one of the first reasons why people are uh, choosing somebody like me um, who has a background in psychiatry as well as in integrative and holistic medicine. And um, truth be told, when I started this, um, I was embarking on something rather new, uh, because there is no uh, you know, formalized treatment uh, training in integrative psychiatry. But whatever I've learned uh, in functional medicine and integrative medicine, I've been able to apply it with really good success, no matter what the condition is. Because my approach now has been to not go by the diagnosis at all. It is to go by the physiological imbalances that the person in front of me is manifesting. And once you understand how the body is tripping up, then you can put in interventions that can help the person and their body and mind to get back on track. It really is this, um, this dance between health and disease is how I see, um, when I'm working with patients. And, um, and it's been very gratifying to see that no matter what diagnosis a person comes to me with, whether it's OCD, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, this kind of an approach applies to almost any mental illness, whether it is um, a a less severe condition like depression or a more serious condition like schizophrenia. I've seen it um, across the board. And I also do want to clarify that I still use psychiatric medications because there is a place and a role for them. Now, to give you an example, I want to share this, this situation with a patient who um, is 28 years old now, but he was diagnosed with schizophrenia when he was 19, and um, he was on various medications. And I began to work with him over a year ago, and at that point in time, despite being on many medications, they were only somewhat effective. They would suppress some of the symptoms, but for the most part, he became progressively disabled. He was on—he's now on disability. Um, he was not able to live independently; needed a lot of help from family and the case management system. But when I started to work with him, so I took a step back from the diagnosis. Yes, he's having delusions, he's having hallucinations, but why is that happening? And when I started to look at that, he was having a lot of digestive issues, so which pointed out to me that he's having a lot of inflammation because of his diet. So I tweaked his diet, gave him the fat-rich um, and clean diet, so organic no processed food, no chemicals, no antibiotics, no hormones, um, that kind of a food. Looked at his nutritional deficiencies, supplemented the nutritional deficiencies that he had, and gradually established you know, a therapeutic relationship with him. And now, a year later, I'm very, very happy to say that he is significantly improved. He's not reporting any delusions or hallucinations. His digestive health is also much better and um he's now thinking about either going back to school after nearly a 10 year break or going back into um department of vocational rehabilitation and seeing what kind of career skills he could have and you know developing those career skills so my work is ongoing with this gentleman but it is so gratifying to see that he's come away from that disabled not even able to take care of himself to a point where he's not experiencing symptoms and now able to engage with society, with life. And I've also been able to reduce, he was on a cocktail of medications, and now he's only on one uh, antipsychotic medication. And it is necessary to recognize that we as physicians need to minimize the number of medications because for all their benefit, they also carry many, many side effects.
1: Well, this has been exciting to see the holistic way that you approach clients and uh, patients. And I appreciate you sharing these success stories. Um, Our time is up today. Again, if you'd like to reach Dr. Tumala, it's 262-955-6601. And if you'd like to reach Becker, it's 262-691-3200. As always, don't forget, we hope we've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Be well and have a great day. Your EIG wealth advisor can help you control risk, make sure your estate plan is
2: in order, and help you understand your financial plan during retirement. But we can't control one of the largest drains on your portfolio during retirement. That's your health.
1: For that, we'd like to share expert cooking tips and health wisdom from a local expert, Chef Michael Fecker. So stay
2: tuned. Hello, my Fekkerudis, and welcome to FoodSense where we talk about food and we make, or at least I try to make some sense of the details of the ingredients that are placed on your plate or the ingredients that you deal with day to day. One of the important things that I wanted to share with you today is when you design a dish or a menu for yourself at home, I want you to keep it as simple as possible. Why? Because from now on, I really want you to pay attention to the techniques involved in cooking and creating textures and flavors that you really think about. You can do that by searing things properly, by caramelizing ingredients properly, but you do not need to overwhelm your dish and your menu with tons of ingredients. This is a very simple recipe I'm going to share with you, my friends. It asks for a beef tenderloin, but the beauty of this recipe is it would be phenomenal with a breast of chicken. It would be magnificent with a pork chop. It would be great with a piece of salmon or cod, for example, because it gives itself to any protein that you serve it with. It is a classic sauce and it's a brandy peppercorn sauce i learned this sauce when i was just starting uh, culinary school and one of the reasons they taught me this sauce right at the beginning was it was such a simple sauce so you will see it's going to be very easy to prepare and the ingredients are minimal i'm going to go through this recipe for you and with you as if we are using a beef tenderloin again the main actor in this recipe is a beef tenderloin you can change the main actor the script doesn't have to change the recipe doesn't have to change you're just changing a main actor the supporting cast can remain the same I'm gonna call it a beef tenderloin with brandy peppercorn sauce you have a dash of cream in there as an emulsifier an emulsifier is something that takes water and acidity for example Or wine or anything else And binds them together We use it in Caesar dressing What do we do? We use egg yolk That's an emulsifier In this case cream is going to act As a conduit for flavors You have the brandy You have the peppercorn You have the reduction of the beef juices in the pan They're all dating You add the cream The marriage happens They sign the papers From that moment on Everything is 50-50 You with me? So let's go through the recipe. For the ingredients, we need four, six to eight ounce beef tenderloin. The butcher cuts these usually for you and it's very easy to prepare and you go with it. You try to get the thickest ones possible because you're going to have a lot more cooking control over it. You're going to have about half a cup of whipping cream. We have quarter cup of chopped shallots. If you do not have shallots at home, do not worry. The shallot police will not arrest you. You can use onions if you wish. You want something from the alien family. And if you're going to use onions, I would chop up a clove of garlic in there also. It's going to give you that shallot flavor that you're searching for. We're going to have about a cup and a half of beef stock or beef broth. Either one will work. 5 tablespoons of cognac or brandy. Brandy preferred, of course. 2 tablespoons of drained green peppercorns in brine. You do not have this. You can use black peppercorns that is usually in your pantry. And some butter. I'm going to rush you through the preparation. We're going to take the beef stock and we're going to let it reduce. Meanwhile, in a large skillet, we're going to sear the steaks really hot, four minutes per side for a beautiful medium rare. You add the chopped shallots to that same pan. You bring in the beef stock, the brandy, everything goes in there and cooks together. I cannot make it any simpler than this. So now... Try this recipe, and if you don't have it, go online at ellenbecker.com, download it because I've already sent it out via email, and enjoy it. And if you have any questions, send it to me. Drew Lawn, my friends, and I'll talk to you next week.
1: If you would like more of Chef Becker's recipes and food tips, go to ellenbecker.com and click under the resource tab.